Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Mark, for trying to help us believe it's warmer than it really is with that shirt. <laughs> Man, that gave me 90s R&B vibes. Did you get that 90s R&B vibe right there? I thought it was Ashanti. That's nice. Very cool. Um, half of you get that reference. So, uh, just want to reiterate real quick before I jump into the word this morning, uh, in regard to our newcomers lunch, uh, make this a priority. If you have been here, uh, within the last year, and I'm not talking about January 1st, but, uh, within the last year. And, and again, uh, this is our opportunity to try to get to know you. We're not going to try to sell you a timeshare. We're not going to try to like con you into anything. Um, this is really our heart behind it. Uh, I would love to take you individually all out for lunch, but I ain't got that kind of money or time. And so the thought process is, hey, let's get everybody in the room. Let's give you an opportunity to get to know us and give us an opportunity to get to know you. We want to know your name. We want to know your social security number. We want to know, no, just your name, just your name. We're going to focus on your name. If you want to give me the credit card info, that's a different, that's personal. Uh, but in all seriousness, we, we love an opportunity just to say hello and look, get you to know our leadership team, get you to know what we're all about, answer any questions that you might have. Um, you know, we want to have that opportunity to really put a name to the face. And so if you can help us with that, we would really appreciate it. If you could sign up, that would be even better because then we can make sure we have enough food and I don't have to take it all home. And I ain't going to lie to you. I'm really looking forward to a luncheon. We are in our last day of our fast. Those of you who made it, congratulations. Those of you who didn't, at least you tried. <laughs> and, um, but here's the reality. I don't need to know who was fasting, who wasn't fasting, to know that God was moving in the fast. Uh, and we have been seeing God. I've been hearing some wonderful testimonies from people, prayers being answered, long-time prayers finally coming to fruition, God moving in ways that we couldn't think or imagine. And even among the staff, there's so many times where we sat at the table and we go, it, wow, it's like prayer and fasting works. Um, and so we have just been so blessed by that. And in this series that we've been in, if you're here for the first time and, and haven't been in this series, we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer and we've titled this series, Teach Us to Pray. This was the request of the disciples after watching Jesus pray and admiring his prayer life. One of the disciples goes up to him and says, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And I think this is incredibly vital because although prayer can be a very natural thing, you get into an almost car accident, oh my God, just flies out of your mouth. Prayer can be very natural, but at the same time, Prayer is a discipline that we have to hone and develop. In the same way like children want to talk and they might say words and repeat certain things, but there is practice to helping them develop language. In the same way, there is practice to helping develop a prayer life and a continual prayer life. And this is why we wanted to focus in on this. And so if you've been with us, you know the scripture, Luke chapter 11. If not, you can look up at the screen. Luke chapter 11, verses one through four. I'm gonna read it in the New King James Version because like I said, it just sounds good in that version. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We've gone all few weeks breaking it up, verse or section by section. And tonight we have, or today we have the last section, 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to talk to you about temptation. Whether you're a believer or not, we all go through temptation. Some of you were tempted this morning not to get up. We're tempted this morning not to go to church. Your pastor, slight temptation. And then I'm like, no, that's actually my job. I got to go. But like when you get out there and you see the ice and the snow, you're like, I just don't even want to deal with this. There's the temptation. Uh, we, I think we just this week got to a point where for the rest of the year, the sun will set after five o'clock. But the sun was setting before you even got out of work for the last several weeks. So there are days you don't want to get out of work or bed. You don't want to go to work. You don't want to go to class. You are tempted to do things. And some of those are nominal. And there are other temptations that are a lot more serious. There's a temptation to maybe step out on your marriage. There's a temptation to lie and cheat. There's the temptation to sin against God or against somebody you know. We all go through temptations on a regular basis. And there's a few caveats before I get into the crux of the message that I want to make sure we all understand when it comes to temptation. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. I want to make sure we're clear on that. You might still be tempted by things that you felt like you've overcome. And I want you to know, if you haven't indulged in that, you still overcome that. Okay? It doesn't mean that the temptations are going to always completely go away. They might subside and they may go away. But just because they haven't gone away doesn't mean that you're not set free. Doesn't mean that you haven't had victory in that area. The reality is we all go through temptations. And so temptation in and of itself is not a sin, but it does lead to sin. Does that make sense? It does lead to sin. And so that's where we have to be willing to check temptation and be able to overcome temptation. It's almost like taking a test in and of itself is not bad. Failing a test is. And so that's really what temptation is. Temptation is a test. And we have to remember, in case you're wondering whether it is or is not a sin, that the Lord was tempted in every way. Jesus was tempted while he was on this earth, and yet he did not sin, the Bible says. And so you and I are going to go through temptations. We all go through temptations. Oftentimes when I'm counseling young couples who are thinking about getting married, one of the things I try to help them understand is don't feel like just because you get married that somehow temptation goes away. You don't suddenly go blind and don't see the opposite sex for the rest of your life. And so you still have to guard your heart even after you're married. You still have to guard your heart even when you're in a committed relationship because temptation is all around us. Now, there are two main areas, maybe three, but for the sake of this argument, I want to focus in on two areas where temptation comes from. Temptation comes from within us and from our enemy. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from our enemy. The two people that are involved in temptation is you and the enemy. Temptation comes from the inward desires of your sinful nature, and temptation comes from the enemy trying to entice you to do what your sinful nature wants to do. So when I'm reading this, because I remember for myself just reading it initially years ago, lead us not into temptation, I start to wonder, are you asking God because God is the one who's always going to lead you into temptation? Is God purposely trying to tempt you? Is God purposely trying to trip you up? And the answer to that very simply is no. We'll get into it in just more, a few minutes. But I think it is important to understand that this portion of prayer is asking for God's help in not failing in either source of temptation. And saying, God, I need your help to not succumb to my own temptations and to not succumb to the temptations of the enemy or of the world, if you want to say it in that way. That to be able to follow through and be everything that you called me to be. 
The truth is, and this is pretty much encompassing all of this, this is why we pray, you are not strong enough to overcome all temptations. You are not powerful enough, you are not, you haven't been Christian enough, or you haven't, there is no amount of seasoning, there's no amount of knowledge, there's no amount of willpower, there is nothing in you. If you get to a point in your life where you think, I would never, you're really close to doing that. I've often said this, and I like to use this example because it applies easily with me and my wife. Um, I, I, I haven't, by God's grace, I've been faithful to every step of the way with my wife, and, but because of that, I don't even play with the possibility. I, even when we started dating, I erased the phone number of every woman that was ever interested in me or I was interested in her. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just focusing in on this. I'm not trying to mess this up. I'm not trying to screw this up. But even after that, I have guidelines in my life that I try to keep to make sure that I don't allow even a hint of that. The, the best uh, thought I had with that is if you're ever driving down the road, there are guardrails on the road, right, to keep you from going into a ditch or going off a cliff. But if you hit the guardrail, you already went too far. For me, it's, it's the parra. That's, that's where I'm trying to stay focused on. If I hit the parra, that's like, oh man, too close. Some of us need to set up some parras in our lives to make sure, because that's the whole point, right? They, they cut those divots in the pavement so that you hear it. It's a loud, weird noise, but it's to get your attention. You get too close to the curb, homie. You're getting too close to it. You're starting to swerve, wake up. You're starting to move off into the edge. And so, so God helps us. And, and I believe the Holy Spirit is the strongest parra you can ever have in your life. But, but the scriptures tell us, listen, you need help. You're not that great of a driver that you may not drift off every now and then. And so listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Because I think this is a great summary of what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's, there's about five thoughts I have on this that I'd love for you to write down because I think it's important for us to put this into practice. I mentioned earlier, there's nothing wrong with taking a test, but the only time I fear a test is when I'm not prepared for it, okay? When you prepare in your regular time with God in prayer and devotion, it is a lot easier, not always easy, but easier when you encounter temptations and testings. And so these are some uh, assignments to help you develop that skill set. If you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Your temptation is not unique. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, the scriptures say. Here's why that's important. We often justify failing for, or falling for temptation with things like, well, no one understands what I'm going through. My situation is different though, right? Because we feel special. Well, you don't, you don't get it. Like my situation is different. It's not like yours. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon or I did this or I had that. You know, I only grew up with a single parent or I grew up in the hood or I grew up with, with parents that were there but never acknowledged me or my cousin was this, my father was that. It, it's different because of me. It's, you know, and so what we do is we try to create a scenario where, hey, it's okay because, you know, no one else is going through what you're going through. And the enemy, he loves to pile on top of that. We were just singing, right? I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Well, why did we keep repeating that? Because the enemy likes to convince you that you're alone. Because if he can isolate you, he can get you. 
If you think about it, when you look at all those nature shows, the, the, the animal or the strongest you know, group of animals is the pack. When you got a pack, you can take out a lion. So what does a lion do? A lion hunts the one animal that strays away from the pack. When it strays away from the pack, it becomes vulnerable and easy to attack and defeat. And so when you start to believe, I'm the only one. No one else goes through depression the way I go through depression. No one else struggles with pornography the way I struggle with pornography. No one else has the kind of past that I have. And I'm not saying this to be rude, but you're not unique. Not in that sense. Okay? There is nothing new under the sun, as the Bible says. Truth be told, the devil uses the same old strategy again and again. Because it works. He doesn't have to invent something new for you. The same playbook has worked for a long time, specifically in your life. Let's be honest. For many of us, it's the same thing. It's not even like new stuff. It's the enemy using the same playbook. Why? Because if it works, we're going to keep running. If, like, sometimes I like to play Madden back in the day when I had actually time to play video games. And, uh, and it was a football game. I would play the same play. And I would show the other guy, hey, I'm running this play. Why? Because you can't stop me. It was so good to dominate somebody like that. Say, hey, listen, here's the play. I'm going to run it. There was a basketball player, Larry Bird, back in the day, Larry Bird people. Pastor Carlos, Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Larry Bird was a bad white boy. Larry Bird, at one time, they were talking about all the trash talk he would do. He, he went up to this group of guys right before the play was going to run. He goes, hey, listen, fellas, I'm going to catch the ball on the baseline. I'm going to run it to the corner. I'm going to shoot a three in your face, and you're not going to be able to stop me. And then he did it. And they were like, okay. Listen, there's nothing worse than knowing what the enemy's going to do and then still letting him do it. Still letting him do it. Because why? It's, it's the same old thing. And again, I'm not saying this to minimize your experience, but to help you avoid exaggerating your excuses. This isn't to minimize what you're going through, but what we do is we exaggerate the reason in order to feel better about messing up. We exaggerate the situation because then it appeases our failure. But listen, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, there that is, looking for someone to devour. Who's he going to find? The one who's isolated. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember, here it is, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. There's a, a message I've done at a few uh, camps that I do, and, and there's a, a part in the message where I have people stand up for some really vulnerable situations, and I, I get very specific about the situations, and I just ask them, hey, if that applies to you, I want you to respond. I have never done that exercise where just one individual stood up by themselves. Never. It has always been multiple people, and it's always reminded me that you are not struggling by yourself. And the truth is, when you understand that, there's strength in knowing that and knowing it's not just me. I'm not just a screw up. I'm not just messed up. I'm not just dysfunctional. I'm not unique in this weird situation where all bad things only happen to me and me alone. The reality is there's people all over the world, believers all over the world that struggle with the same thing you struggle with, that deal with the same thing that you're dealing with. Not just today, since the dawn of time. Since the dawn of time, since sin entered into the world, we have had that issue. We have had that temptation. Now here's the good news with that. Taking notes, you want to write this down. God is faithful. God has given you the power to overcome temptation. God has given you all the tools necessary to overcome temptation. 
right? How do I know that? First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Amen. In other words, listen, God's given you the tools necessary. God's prepared you. When you read Ephesians and it talks about the armor of God, right? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness. Like all these armor pieces, all these pieces of equipment are for what? So that you can stand against the flinging arrows of the enemy. Yes. So God is literally giving you a full kit to say, listen, you can do this. You can do this, right? The main way God accomplishes this, like I said earlier though, is through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live self-discipline, right? When, when Paul was praying over uh, his young man, Timothy, he says, remember that you didn't get a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what? Sound mind. mind. Self-discipline. In other words, God has empowered you with the spirit to be able to overcome temptation, to be able to endure with some of the difficulties and challenges that you deal with. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. That last part, not under the law, what it means is you're not going to need rules and regulations in order to live a life that is holy, because if you walk by a holy spirit, then you will be holy. So we don't need, like a lot of us are like, well, what do I got to do? Give me all the little things I got to do in order to live a holy life. Well, listen, there is no checklist. There is following the spirit of God. And if you follow the spirit of God, he covers all the gray areas. Because a lot of times we do stuff like that, right? Well, you know, pastor, it doesn't really talk about that in the Bible. It's kind of like one of them little gray areas. And I'll just tell you this, Holy Spirit, he got gray areas covered. Holy Spirit's the one that'll tell you, no, I'm telling you no. But that's not a sin per se. I'm telling you no. Listen, there's a lot of times I tell my kids no on things that aren't bad. I just don't want it for them. It's not bad to watch your show. I just don't want you to watch that right now. I want you to spend time with me. But I want to watch it. I know what you want, but it's more important what I want because I'm the parent here. And so I want to spend time with you. Come on, let's do a puzzle. Let's play a game. Interact with me, not with the TV. Sometimes God is going to say no to things because he wants you more to him. And that's why, look, at the beauty of this fasting is we denied our flesh for these 21 days in order to grow our spirit. When you starve the flesh, you feed the spirit. But contrary to that, when you feed the flesh, you end up starving your spirit. And when you starve your spirit, you end up becoming more easily succumb to temptations when they arise and when they come across your desk. Listen, we need to learn to walk by the spirit. And what does that mean? That means you do what the spirit tells you to do when the spirit tells you to do it. Which, by the way, on that same note, when, when God talks about empowering you to do all these things, you still have to tap into that power. Okay? Listen, my house has the power necessary for me to watch television. But if I don't plug into the power, the TV's not going to work. I got to plug in. You have everything you need to overcome temptations in your life. But if you're not plugged in spiritually, you're not going to function properly. So... God gives us what we need. But again, let me remind you something because when we talked about this earlier, do not lead me into temptation. We can easily come to the assumption that God is the one that's setting us up. 
But listen, number three, God will not set you up for failure. What does the scripture say? He won't allow more than you can stand. For me, I used to think about this when it came to Adam and Eve. And we all know the story of, of you know, Adam and Eve eating of the fruit and sin entering into the world. And I, I remember at a point, I just thinking to myself, go, man, God, couldn't you have just like not put the tree there? Like just, why set them up for failure? You know, and I just, I, that bothered me for a little bit. But here's what I, the Holy Spirit helped me to understand. Without the tree, there was never a choice. Right? God didn't want, God already had the angels. He had beings that had to worship him. He gave us free will, and free will only came through an option. The option was the tree. But here's the reality. Were they really set up for failure when one tree and a forest full of fruit, and that's the one they have to have? God's like, you can have everything else. The entire thing is yours. You just can't have this one thing. And Adam and Eve are like, bet, I'm going for the one thing. And listen, it's the same thing for us. I started, when we were doing the fast, my wife and I, the first week, we decided to do Daniel fast. We can eat every fruit and vegetable in the world. But man, if I didn't want some meat that day. I just wanted the meat. Why? Because I, I couldn't have it. <laughs> I couldn't have it. And we always want what we can't have. Right? And even when you think about like some of these celebrities, I think about some of these really famous, beautiful celebrities who get cheated on. I'm like, how do they get cheated on? But the reality is you always want what you can't have, especially when you allow temptation to overcome you. Especially when you allow the enemy to trap you in areas that you shouldn't go. Now, let me kind of go back to this portion of the verse, right? Where he won't allow more than you can stand. I think this is one of the most misquoted, misrepresented scriptures we have in the entire Bible. People love, people who never went to church, never read their Bible, never had an ounce of spirituality in their life. They love to quote, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's, that's not true. Not in a practical sense. Right? It's, it's the wrong assumption. Why? Well, I think Job got more than he could handle. <laughs> I think King David had got more than he could handle. Right? He sinned with Bathsheba. I think Jonah had more than he could handle. He got swallowed up by a fish. I mean, there's plenty of examples of people in the Bible who got more than they could handle. God gives people more than they can handle so they will learn to trust that God is the only one who can handle it. Like, that's the reality of it. So when he says, I will never allow you to be tempted beyond that, what he's saying is because you got me. And I will be the one to take you out of that situation. Right? The reality is, it's not our strength that endures temptation. God is not saying, I will not allow you to go through more than you can handle within your own strength, but handle within my strength. Right? Our strength to endure comes from God. And so we oftentimes will find ourselves in those situations because God is trying to test us and lead us to a conclusion. Listen, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will not, I'm sorry, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. He's faithful. He's not going to allow you to go through more than you can handle, but he is going to be there for you. Pastor Jason mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about working out with some young guys. Now, when you work out with someone, and I'm sure he did this especially because they were younger, he was pushing them, right? He was talking about that. But if he was pushing them, let's say he's asking them to lift more weights. That can be dangerous, especially for a younger person. And if they can't lift that weight and it falls on them, it could kill them. So there might be that fear, right? But at the same time, knowing Pastor Jason, knowing his character, knowing how he works out, I'm sure he was there spotting them as well. And so there he is ready so that when it becomes too much for them, his strength comes in 
and his strength helps pulls up what their strength can't do. It's the same thing with God. God is there. God is letting you do it because it's only through pushing that weight up that you actually are going to get stronger. So he's not going to do it for you every time because then you grow no strength. And oftentimes it's through these obstacles, through these testing times where we become strengthened. At the same time, God is the most powerful spotter in the world. And God knows when it becomes too much for you. And if you allow him to spot you, the problem is some of us don't. When you allow him to spot you and you start having that weird wobble, he's like, I got it. And you know what's the most beautiful thing about that, especially if you ever worked out with somebody? It doesn't take much to lift that up. In the hands of the Lord, it's light work. It's easy. I think it's often why God allows temptation or testing to happen to us. It's not a test of your abilities. It's a test of your faith in God's abilities. Do you trust me to spot you? Do you trust me to help you when the weight becomes too much for you? Do you trust me to carry the burden when it becomes too heavy? Do you trust me? Fourth thing is this. It says when you are tempted, this is a reality of life, you will be tempted in life. Notice again, the scripture said, when you are tempted, not if you are tempted. When is about timing, not about possibility. If you've never been tempted, if you're telling me here you've never been tempted, I will tell you straight out, you're just a liar. Everyone beginning with your speaker has been tempted and will be tempted again. Notice it was a matter of when. James chapter one, verse 12 through 15. Blessed is the one who preserves under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There's a progression to sin, and it begins with temptation. Listen, you got to be careful how long you entertain temptation. Sometimes the best thing you can do is run from it. Instead of assuming, I'll endure it. Okay? Uh, again, I'll just be, I used to say this all the time, but it's true. I can only watch Food Network so long before I got to get up and make a sandwich. <laughs> At some point after watching, I'm like, I'm just hungry. Like, during this time of fasting, like, I love watching cooking shows. I love learning how to cook and studying different techniques. And I would catch myself watching these little reels of cooking. I'm like, man, why am I so hungry? Because I'm watching, like, three minutes worth of, like, beautiful close-ups on sizzling meat. Of course I'm hungry. And some of you are like, man, I really struggle with lust. Maybe you're just entertaining it too long. Some of the things you watch and some of the things you're engaging in. Again, it's just the longer you entertain it, the longer you give it room to get itself rooted in you, the longer it begins to take hold of you and eventually kill you. Because sin starts with the temptation and after, that's what desire is. And as it's conceived, now it gives birth to sin and that sin then, left untreated, becomes full grown and eventually gives birth to death. It's not an overnight thing, okay? It's not an overnight thing. Marriages don't fall apart overnight. You entertain something and you allow it to fester and you allow it to grow. People don't walk away from the Lord overnight. You entertain the temptation, you gave it room and you allowed it to grow. 
This is why the scripture is telling us we got to be careful because we're going to be tempted in life. And so it's not about not being tempted. It's about what do you do in those situations when you are tempted? Are you, do you have accountability in your life? People that you can talk to and say, man, I've been, I've been entertaining this thought. I'm really struggling with it. Would you hold me accountable? Would you pray with me? Would you ask me about it down the line? Would you help me to endure the situation? To go to prayer and to say, Lord, I'm weak. I'm struggling with this. Help me with my thought process. I submit these thoughts to you. And I ask you, Lord, to submit them. We have to be careful because the longer we entertain it, the more time we give it to kill us. But again, good news. When you are tempted, the Bible says, he will show you a way out. God provides a way out. Thank God for that. I mentioned this on Wednesday. Uh, if something were to happen where all the power in the building were to go on, let's say it's nighttime so there's no outside light, but all the power were to go off in this block, those exit signs will still stay on. Because those exit signs have a, a different power source that's meant for emergencies. Why? Because if everything goes out, the most important thing is for you to know how to escape. The most important thing is for you to know the way out. Listen, if I go to a hotel, some people don't pay attention. As I'm going in, I, you know how they have that map that tells you, the, I look at that, I'm like, all right. Okay, left is a lot faster than right. I think there's only like three rooms. I can knock those people over. Left is where I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm pretty confident in my ability to bull rush if I got a bull rush. <laughs> Sorry, I just, every man for himself at that point, right? I'm just trying, I got kids. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. God will show you a way out. God won't drag you out, though. You got to walk through it. Listen, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So what does that mean? Right and to the left, that's temptation. Right? That's why they give horses blinders so they don't look to the right or to the left, but so that they run straight. If you're running... I ain't turning around, okay? If, 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 like, if everybody start running, I'm running. We all running. Like, we'll find out in the parking lot why we ran. But I am not, I'm not turning around trying to figure out what we're, honestly, one time, this is going to be a great, one time I was hanging out with my friends in the gangway. We're just kids, just hanging out. And my friends started running, and you know, hood law, I ran. And so I'm running, and I turned around, and there was like four police officers behind me. And I'm like, I ain't got time to explain this. They were fat though, so I, I was skinny at the time. So I made it, I, I got out, right? Because you don't make them run. So I got out. <laughs> but I just remember thinking, after I turned around, I saw them, I didn't turn around again. <laughs> it's like, why? Because you slow down. Because you slow, if you turn around, you slow down, you get distracted, you trip up, you fall over your feet. I gotta stay focused on where I'm going. I gotta head straight. Listen, some of our biggest failures and temptation is because we're looking where we're not supposed to be. Instead of being fixed on where we're going, we're looking around at everybody else. <laughs> God provides you a way out, but he's, you're going to have to walk through it. Hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. My GPS tells me where to go, but if I ignore it, it's not going to turn my car around. It's not going to take control of my, I don't have a test, I ain't got money like that. It's not going to take control and say, you're a dumb driver, I'll drive. No. But I do thank God that when I veer off course and when I decide, because we all do it, right? Like we all just think we know better than the satellite and we'll figure it out. You know, anytime your GPS says it'll take you 17 minutes, you're like, I'll do it in 13. Challenge accepted. 
Shouldn't do that. It's sinful, by the way. It's a temptation. But here's the reality. There have been a bunch of times where I'm like, man, I know better. And I don't know better. And I get caught up and it ends up taking me longer because I veered off the course that was planned for me. A lot of us, temptation is what veers you off the course that God has planned for your life. Now, here's where God is gracious. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Is that even when you veer off, God is good to course correct and bring you back. See, when my GPS goes off, or when I go off my GPS, with that sweet, sweet GPS voice, you just see recalculating. And when it recalculates, it gives me a route that gets me back on track to where I was supposed to go. Now, it may take longer now. That's my fault. It's not the GPS's fault. But I'm grateful that my GPS didn't just turn off because it doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> that my GPS didn't just go silent where I was like, hey, how do I get back? Oh, you, you turned right. You know better than me. Do it. <laughs> Could you imagine if a GPS was just sassy with you like that? <laughs> I don't know, Joey. How do you get there? <laughs> and I'm grateful that God's not like that with us. Amen. Could you imagine? God, I messed up. What do I do? I don't know, Joey. What do you do now? <laughs> You're special, huh? You're unique. It only happens to you. Oh, my God is so incredibly gracious. That every time I mess up, every time I make a wrong turn, every time I veer off course, every time I fall into temptation and I choose my own path, I hear that sweet spirit. This is the way, Joey. Walk in it. Now listen, again, there's consequences to fall into those temptations. I may not arrive to my destination at the time that I needed to arrive. There may be extra consequences as a result of that. It may make the travel harder. I may have to wait longer. I may have to get in crazier situations. But at the end of the day, I am just trying to get there. This is the difference between showing you a way out and dragging you out. God is a gentleman. He'll never make you do anything. But oh, that we would get to the point where we trusted his voice more. Because that's the truth, isn't it? When, when you get a way out, and I've been there, so I'm just talking to you from experience. Think about those times where we failed and we fell into temptation. When you look back at it, that window out was so clear. That exit door, you're like, I knew it. In that moment, I could have got out of that. Almost any situation of yours you can think of where I messed up, where I fell into temptation, when you review and you're the Monday morning quarterback and you look back at the tape, that was the moment where God gave me an opening door to get out of that situation. And even worse, there are times where in the moment, you're about to do something you know you shouldn't do, and that exit shines, and you say, no, I'm gonna do it anyways. I'm gonna do it anyways. God would have all the grace and mercy, but he could still, if he wanted to, reject us. But listen, this is the most important part, I think, when it comes to temptation. Because we shouldn't live in fear of temptation. We shouldn't. I know the Bible talks about fleeing from temptation. But it's not about what you're fleeing from. It's about who you're fleeing to. That's the key to overcoming that. It's not that I'm running from temptation. It's that I'm running to my salvation, my Lord, my God, my protector. Listen, when my kids are scared, they don't just run from what they're scared of. They run to who they're gonna, who's going to protect them. They run to me. Listen, they love their mom. But when they're scared, scared, 
They go to the big dog. <laughs> they go to Poppy. Because Poppy's big and Poppy's strong and Poppy will protect me. And he watches over me. I think sometimes God allows these temptations to remind you that he's bigger than you, that he's stronger than you. And that as your heavenly father, he loves you. He doesn't want you to stumble. And even if you do, he'll pick you up and clean you off. And here's the beauty of our Lord is it would be hard to run to him if we felt like he didn't understand what we were going through. Because as Pastor Jason mentioned earlier, we'd be covered in shame and guilt. But I love that illustration he gave that God is willing to sit in the shame with us in order to wipe it away. That's the whole point of Jesus coming to this earth. That's why he's considered our high priest because he endured everything that we endured. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is the greatest example that you can live this life and not fall into temptation. And that even if you do, that he is graceful enough and merciful enough to pick you back up and to help you in your time of need. This is what I love about my God, is when I screw up and I go to the Lord, he doesn't throw it in my face. He doesn't laugh at me. He doesn't mock me. He doesn't hold it against me three months later. No. The Bible says that he throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. That he remembers them no longer. Now, do you honestly think that God, the creator of the universe, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, is incapable of remembering our sin? It's not that he can't do it anymore. It's that the Lord has made a conscious choice to no longer acknowledge your past. To act like it never happened. To say that, that's covered by the blood. It's not an issue anymore. And if it's not an issue for me, sons, daughters, it should not be an issue for you anymore.